Hallelujah. It's great to see all of you. Welcome to church, especially any of you here for the first time. Welcome to Berlin Church. It's great to have you here. When you go online or read about the surveys, a lot of times people are asked, what's home to you? And so I was looking at a couple of those, and I thought they were worth talking about as we think about this theme, a place to call home. One man wrote, his name was Joel, my wife and I, for us, home is wherever we gather with family and friends. Houses get bought and sold, but a home stays with you always. I thought that was good. And then another person, this, this woman's name was Janine, she said, you know, when I was growing up, maybe some of you can relate, my home, my household was unstable. My extended family and friends knew what I was going through as a child, and they were there for me. It was in their homes that I received the love and support and sense of security that helped me become the person I am today. Wow, what a great thought. A woman named Sandra wrote, After living through two marriages and raising a son, I have finally figured out that home for me is wherever my dog is. I think we have a picture. I think we have a picture. Yeah, that isn't one of the husbands. That's not one of the husbands. That's the dog. Okay, let's do it now, dog lovers. Oh. A woman named Barbara said, for me, home is where I feel loved and secure, and all the clutter belongs to me. <laughs> A man from Sweden wrote, it's where I can be myself and where most of the memories are happy ones. And then it's interesting, a number of people wrote about what they could wear, that that made it home for them. One woman named uh, Danielle, she writes, for me, home is wherever I can cook breakfast in my pajamas. And another one wrote that asked to be unnamed said, it's where I don't have to wear real clothes. And then another one who also asked to be unnamed said, it's where I don't have to wear any clothes. Make a note, call ahead before you visit a friend like that. But then finally, one person, this is a married father from London, he says, I live in a nice house in a beautiful section of the city. It has everything you could want but it means nothing to me. I could move tomorrow to a small flat and be happy. Home to me is my family, and wherever they are is my home. Now, the thing that you'll notice, and I could read more of them, but the thing you'll notice about almost every single one is they're not talking so much about the place, but the people. That is home. And at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, in Mark chapter 3, it tells us that he went up on a mountainside and he called him to himself, those that he wanted to be with him. And they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be with him. And I want you to leave that up for a minute, technical team. Just leave it up there for a minute. I want you to think about that for a moment. This is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's just announced to the world there up in Galilee that the kingdom of God is now here. It's time to repent, turn back to God. And the next thing he does is instead of 
buying property and setting up a kingdom of God headquarters or opening a training ground, a training place for preaching and casting out demons or setting up a GoFundMe fundraiser to raise money for the kingdom of God ministries of Jesus Christ in Nazareth. You know, there's some churches that have long names like that. He didn't do any of that. And so here, at the beginning of saying, I'm going to build my church, he announces a strategy that it basically was, he goes on a mountain and he invites a few guys to come and hang out with him. That's the strategy. To be with him. Now it goes on to say, so he could train them to go out and preach and cast out demons. But I want you to see that. It was about being with others. This is the son of God. He doesn't need anybody. And yet, here on earth, the first thing he does is gather 12 to go with him. Not for hours and hours of classroom teaching, but for months on the road, camping, eating outdoors, sailing ships on a lake, fishing, and all the while doing everyday things of life, learning ministry and life together. And of course, the significant thing here, and and, and I want us to see this because here is our template, not only for how to live as the church, which I want to apply that and talk to you about, but also individually. Because this required him to open his life up to those that would be with him. They were going to see him awake, asleep. They were going to see him in the morning before he brushed his teeth. I mean, they were going to spend a lot of time together. And they got to see up close how he prayed, how he talked, how he thought about things. They even got to observe how he treated people who were sick, who had nothing. If you want to know someone's character as a man or woman, if you want to know what their true character is, watch how they treat people who can do nothing for them. Hmm? And so they got to see him. They got to see the real person that he was. And here's what I want us to understand. I want us to unpack this now. Why did he do this? Why was this the strategy? And I could give a list that never stops, but let me give you just a few things that really spoke to me as I thought about what to share with you. The one thing that immediately came to mind, Jesus did this, took the strategy of let's go and spend time together because God has decided that people, listen, are God's greatest treasure. I think one of the most difficult things for us as human beings to truly start believing is that we are genuinely loved by our Heavenly Father. When I was very little, the first song my mother taught me was, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I could sing the whole thing, but I I won't do that, promise. I don't want anybody running out. No, but being serious... I've known that since I could remember anything. Jesus loves me. 
This I know. The Bible tells me that. He loves me. I'm a little one. He's strong. I'm weak. But I can't tell you the number of times as I've gone through the journey of life how I've had to remind myself, you're beloved. God loved you, Steve, so much that he gave his life to give you life. Amen. That's the gospel. Jesus came and and it says God so loved all of us, he sent his son to come and to die in our place to give us life, to, to cancel the debt of our sin nature and to come and live in us and we are reborn in the spirit and become sons and daughters of the living God. We are loved and valued. And so it's completely understandable the most important thing in building his church, in living his ministry on earth, was that others would be with him who were his beloved. And it is true for each of us here today. Amen. But I think he also did it because the church is to be built with people for people. It's so unfortunate that the church is often seen as that big old building in the center of town. Did you visit the church in that city while you were there? And of course, we understand it's referring to a historical building that has been there for centuries, and an earnest God-loving people built those over centuries as a way to honor God. But friends, a building, as that one person in the survey said, a building, when it's empty without people, is just a building. The church, as we often say here at Berlin Church, the church doesn't come here, we are here. We don't come to church, we are the church. And so... Jesus didn't come and die for us to set up programs and properties. He came to bring to himself a family of every nation and language and and tribe and culture and to build this incredible thing that's happening all across the earth right now. Can I tell you, that's the way to get beyond the darkness and the bad news is look at what's happening in the church. The church is growing like a tidal wave every Sunday. More people are worshiping the living God than ever did before in human history. Hallelujah. And add to that that the scripture says that the true church is not a building or a cathedral. It is living stones. Amen. Individuals fitted together. It's a beautiful picture. God's plan for his kingdom is to come and live in a temple of human beings. He's going to be with us forever. He's going to wipe every tear from our eye. In the end of the story in scripture, it says, behold, now I am among you. And you will be my people, and I'll be your God. We will live with him. He's going to indwell us, and that's not just in the future. It's here right now. God is among us. This is his temple. Unbelievable. And so the scripture says that God is giving to us his people who are together gifts to the church. He's giving you spiritual gifts to use 
when we're together. Some of you have the gift of prophecy. Some of you have the gift of healing. And then beyond that, he gives leaders gifts, pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, and evangelists. There's five of them it talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. They're gifts from Jesus to the church so that we equip and build each other up into faith. What a beautiful thing. But it's a task for all of us. That's why he started with people. But he also started with people and said, come and be with me. Because being with Jesus meant that they had to be with others too. We live in a culture right now that's very individualistic. And it's unfortunately shifted over into the church. You know, a a huge percentage of the people in this city live alone. It's not unusual at all. And there's a very individualistic attitude about life. I can do things on my own, especially where I come from over in in America. It was pioneers that built our country. It was rugged individuals riding on the horse. You've seen the commercials or the movies about the cowboy, and he's out there all alone, and he's doing all right. He can take on anything. I'm I'm a cowboy. And he's a rugged individual. And we bring that into the church. I have my quiet time. I hear from God. And there's nothing wrong with that, friends, because God does speak to us. We need to have our individual times. But I challenge you, if you read through the New Testament letters, almost every single place, it talks about we. Encourage one another, it says in Ephesians 3, daily. That's a call to live the same way Jesus called those first friends to come and be with him. Now, we live in a time where we have to find, we have to take up the challenge. How do we do that? It can't just be coming here and you listening to me. We've got to find ways to connect with each other because here's the thing. Jesus invited them home to himself. He understood that he was their home. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Your life is a home to others. When I spend time with my grandchildren, they come over to my apartment, but they don't come to my apartment because they like my apartment. Well, they like it okay. It's got some room to run. But that's not why they come. They come because grandma and grandpa are there. We're the home Do you understand that? We're the home. Your life is the home. The building will go. And as each one of us begin to get that understanding that I am in myself with Jesus with me, I am a life that can create a home for others, both in the church and out of the church. What a thought. And it's such an incredible honor. And it begins to explain why the greatest commandment, John the Apostle said in his little letter, the greatest commandment Jesus ever gave us was so simple. Love one another. Well, how do you do that if you're just doing things on your own? 
You come here maybe once every few weeks on Christmas or Easter and say hello to a few people and head out into your week, and you never connect with one another. And even getting online, Zoom is fine, but there's something about face-to-face real encounters with each other. And so can I challenge you? I am determined that over this next year, brothers and sisters, we're going to look for creative ways to build platforms of opportunity to be with one another, even beyond the community groups. We want to see them enlarged. Our, our teams that set everything up, their community, their home. Some months ago, one of the guys in production here, he went out, and this is such a great concept of home. He went out, and instead of ordering a pizza for the rest of the guys on the team, you know, this is all going to get taken away here when we're done today. It's a lot of work. And they laugh and have a great time. It's like they're like with family. But, in, but, but instead of, I came into one of the auditorium after one of our services, and in a side room, there was this huge buffet set up. It was a Nigerian dinner. And there were all these people in there, and, and, the, and, the, and the guy in charge of this that set this up said, Pastor, come on in here. Well, my little sandwich in the bag didn't get eaten that day. I had jollof rice. Woo! But I want to tell you something. There was a feeling in that little hallway of home. I thought I was in that brother's home with his mom's cooking and Legos. See, he understood, he, and I said, where do I pay for this? He said, no, 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 pastor. His generosity was enlarging a sense of family and home, and he was being a blessing to the guys that serve hard here every week. It's such a great example of what I'm talking about. Can I encourage you to go out this week? Look for ways to be a home to other people. You know, some months ago, I took my grandson, Arthur. He was six at the time. I took him to a soccer camp. It was right after school got out this summer. And when I got there, I, I dropped him off. And this is all new. He's pretty young. And I noticed as the grandparent or a parent, you notice things. I noticed all the kids seemed to know each other. They were all kind of together. And, and when I left there, I felt a little tug in my heart. Come on, moms and dads. It looked like he was going to spend the day by himself, that other kids all knew each other, and they maybe had played soccer in a team or something. They had uniforms on. He just had his sneakers and a T-shirt and shorts. And so I was a little like, oh, okay. So, I, so some hours later, I came back that afternoon to pick him up. And so as, as soon as I was with him, I said, so Arthur, how was the first day of camp? And you know what? He didn't tell me, well, the, the, the soccer coaches were good, and the, it was fun, and he did tell me that he liked the spaghetti they had for lunch, okay? But, but he didn't tell me. That. The first thing he said to me was, Grandpa, I made three new friends today. And the reason that was most important, and it's so much the heart of Jesus, is that Arthur has learned already at age six that Jesus is his friend. 
And if Jesus is his friend, then he can be a friend to himself. And if I like me, because I know Jesus likes me and loves me, I can like other people, and they will all be my friend. It's such a great picture of what God's calling us to do. The place to call home is your life. The place to call home is where we bring our lives together and look for ways to bless each other. Because see, the most important things in life, they don't get taught, they get caught. I don't ever remember my father telling me, don't be bitter toward others, be, be forgiving and treat others nicely even if they don't treat you that way. I can't remember him ever giving me a list. But what I can remember is time after time, especially when I was a teenager, I watched how my father and mother never talked about their, the employees they worked with, their bosses. They never talked about the neighbors or people at church in a negative way. It never came out of their mouth. And when I saw them being mistreated where I'd have thought, man, I'd have said something, and saw them turn the other cheek and, and were kind even when they were mistreated, I learned not to carry a bitter spirit. I watched and saw how they walked through life up until their very last moments before going into heaven and meeting Jesus. I saw them live life without bitterness. And what a joyful life, not having to think about all of the wrong things you said. Can I challenge you? Let's catch together walking with Jesus, walking in his power, and, and believing that our greatest opportunity is to be able to speak and encourage each other together. And so I want us to really get an understanding that Jesus is calling us into a home, not to a place, but into a place of relationship with each other. And so that means don't expect friendships and connections to just be a byproduct. I just go to work and I meet people. Make it intentional. Like that f friend did that day with the food. He had, to, he had to call a caterer. He knew somebody that could make food like it is made at home. Because it was the real thing. I asked a couple of the guys from Nigeria, does this, this taste like food from home? Oh, yeah. And that was their third plate. They were on their third plate of food. It was home. You see, we can do the same things, brothers and sisters. So look around at the people in your world here and understand that God has put in others the keys to your future, to your next season. There are people here that may have the answer to a challenge you're facing. God has designed us to draw close, to live in a relationship with each other and to open our lives to be praying for each other and encouraging one another. Yes, and grieving with each other when things don't go well. And here's the beauty of that. The thing the world wants more than anything else is to know that they matter. Amen? People wanna know that they have a purpose that they're valued and loved. Every single human being has that deep need. And nothing will invite people here 
into that kind of environment than when you and I are living at home with each other. We can't invite people to come home to God's house if nobody's here, if none of us are living at home with each other and with ourselves. Why don't you stand to your feet? So look around. Look for opportunities. You know, we had a man in our church some years ago. His name was Dieter. So that tells you he, he was from Germany. And he was an interesting guy. He was near the end of his life. And this is a young church, really young. He was even younger then, if I remember. But he was here every week. Every week. In fact, there was a joke. We don't know how he got in this building. He got here before the team that came to set up. He already got in somehow. The doors were locked, but he was always there waving. It was a mystery. You remember that? How did he get in here? We never could figure it out. And he was physically struggling. But he would do everything he could do to help. Sometimes toward the end of his life, he had to just sit and kind of boss other people around. And when he died, he had no family, didn't have a lot of friends. Most of the people that went there for his funeral were from right here. And God graciously put this man in this environment as the last stop before home. And he found a home here. So never underestimate how God can use your life to touch a Dieter or an Arthur because you're beloved and you are yourself a place to call home in Jesus' name. And if you believe it and you receive it, why don't you say amen with me? Amen. <laughs>